Hello, and welcome to Knoll Country for Old Men. We're a podcast about board games, tabletop role-playing games, and tabletop war games. And today, we're talking about kaiju. Yay! Giant monsters. Uh, I'm your host, Troy, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ed, who I do not think is a giant monster in disguise. No, uh... But my name's Ed, my pronouns are they and them, and I can only assume that my lips are not syncing up with the dub dialogue at the moment. Oh, yeah, that that's probably the case. Yep. Um, our topic today is kaiju, the giant monsters, most notably from Japanese film and comic books and manga and video games, and uh, yeah, they're in a bo- bunch of role-playing and board games as well. Objectively the best uh, genre of science fiction. I will hear no arguments otherwise. I would like to argue, but given that those other genres aren't today's topics, we'll have to go with it. I'll allow it. Um, But of course, before we get into kaiju, what they are, where they come from, why they're cool, how you can use them in games, what games are involved them, we have a sub. Uh, we have a segment on this podcast called "The Week in Hobby." where we talk about what we've done the last week in hobby. I'll go first. Mine's fairly short, uh, as my Starfinder game continues to be on hiatus. I uh, did have a Lancer game where um, the party was falling back towards the airport, having gotten the news that the enemy forces were had broken through a beachhead in the city and were starting to overrun positions, and that the... Uh, military forces were planning to evacuate, um, and they came across an infantry squad that was attempting to ambush an enemy patrol in the, you know, rainy night. Uh, they, you know, were, were considering avoiding the combat until they saw the infantry squad getting absolutely hosed by energy weapons and decided to jump in and help. Uh, making them more heroic than the previous uh, adventurers that this group has played. Hooray. Which is a nice touch, I guess. Um, they had a, you know, knockdown fight between them and a couple of assault rifle armed mechs, a couple of energy weapon armed mechs, and a big super heavy armor guy that had a, like, gravity hammer kind of thing going on. Cool. Um their uh, anti-material sniper rifle managed to almost one-shot the uh, super heavy guy with the gravity hammer. Mm-hmm. They, they got real close on that. Um, that being said, the guy with that rifle took a lot of damage when the um, uh, when he just constantly got shot by the energy weapon guys who kind of melted chunks of his mech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because um, if they shoot you multiple turns in a row, they start doing uh, burn damage as well as their normal energy damage. Because, well, it's a plasma lance. It's hot. It, it heats you up. Um, beyond that, I didn't really do a lot of hobby stuff. I got some more bookshelves, put all my books on them. Now everything is where it should be. Um, which will make it easier to reference various comics and books and other pieces of information. 
my history books, my mythology books, everything's, you know, out on shelves. Huzzah. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, trying to think of if there was anything else I did. Oh, I did set up a thing, probably going to be playing some of my one-page RPG this evening. Yes, See how that uh... works. See if it uh, actually runs okay. I think it should, but I want to get it tested. Nice. And again, if you want to look that up, you can find it at nolcountry.com slash games. Our website that I definitely knew existed. Yes. Uh, Ed, what was your weekend hobby like? Um, mostly uneventful. I think I spent most of it just working on Battletech stuff. I finished another one of the uh, mechs that came in one of those starter sets you got me. Did my best to try and match the box art, uh, which has a... The mech is white and has a rising sun on it, which uh, I don't know if the rising sun is kosher in 2023. Uh, but I don't know. We'd have to ask somebody from Japan about that, I guess. I mean, um, in this case, the mech is a House Kurita uh, warrior, um, and I believe in the context of that box, it is for a... Um, gladiator on the planet of solaris 7 yeah because he's so i think he's the main dude from the warrior trilogy of books yeah i'm not sure about that i just know that he pilots a centurion he's a gladiator on solaris 7 um did a little bit more work on the catapult because for some reason that seems to be the one that i want to work the most on and in trying to spice them up, because right now they just kind of look like bland military vehicles, which bland is how you want your military vehicle to look, because you're less likely to get shot that way. But this is the sci-fi future, so I decided to add cat ears to the catapult uh, in reference to the Canopian cat girls meme, and catapults seem like the most appropriate one to give ears to. I mean, it is so, a catapult, so yep. yeah. So it's got, uh, it's not really nose art, since it's not on the nose, it's more on the head, head art of painted cat ears. Um, found a couple of resources for getting, like, decals and stuff, since I've been trying to paint the Canopus insignia on there, and it's just too small, so. And a lot I've, of the insignias in Battletech are overly detailed. Yeah, and I'm just... I've never been, like, a big fan of water slide decals since I think I tried doing some back in the day with OG 40K, and they just looked bad. But uh, we live in the future now where I can go on YouTube and see how people do it professionally, and there's other, like, tools and additives that you can use to make the water slides look a lot better. They don't look like they've just been taped onto the side of the model. Yeah, I think they've got the, um, the actual technology of how they print them is a little better than it used to be. Yep. And I also remember that I I still have a bunch of uh, Ukrainian water slide transfers that I got from a charity thing. So I don't know, maybe some of my mechs will become Ukrainian. Um, I like it. I'm, I'm sure that'll piss off Putin. He'll be like, where is this NATO technology coming from? And it's like, oh, surprise. It's, um, I don't know, the Star League out of nowhere. I didn't know where I was going with that joke. No, Star League uh, fits the UN NATO fairly well. I mean, there really isn't a direct space Russia equivalent. 
Yeah, that's true. Since uh, the uh, Capellans, they're more like space People's Republic of China than anything else, even though Russian is one of their official languages. Yeah, they draw a lot more from uh, uh, North Korea slash People's Republic of China than they do from Russia. Although they do have a lot of... Um, th their secret police force is drawn heavily from Russian-style stuff. Yep, they're... Uh... And they're I'm sure like they a, have plenty of gulag. Yeah, they're like a Cheka analog. I don't remember what the current secret police is called, and I don't, I don't care. They have like five different ones because Putin. They're loves, all secret police. Well, it's the whole thing where if you're a dictator trying to hold on to power, you don't give any one group too much power because they might overthrow you. It's got to so spread you end it around up, a little bit. Yeah, so you also end up duplicating your security state apparatus and having, like, four different organizations that are all secret police and all report to different people. They're so secret they don't even know about each other. I mean, that would be the double secret police. Um, um, and other... I think it pretty much has just all been Battletech. I also ordered my copy of uh, Total Warfare... Um, so I have both PD it came with PDF and uh, physical copy, so that's in the mail. And along with that, I also ordered my Lance of Urban Mechs. So Ooh. my small metal boys. Um, yeah, I, I, I saw the Urban Mech Lance. I did not buy it at the time. Um, I got back into playing Mech Warrior 5, which I was playing for a little bit on the Xbox, and the game's kind of janky, so I just kind of dropped out because... You have to be really, like, balls deep into Battletech lore to kind of follow what's going on. And at the time, I couldn't, and now I know it a little bit better. I do find it kind of funny that, uh, as a mercenary company, the Draconis Combine, who are my employers, they like me less than the independent uh, mercenary group that I'm currently tasked with fighting on behalf of the Caridans. And this like, is because you have no honor. Apparently. Um, I tried using an urban mech in one battle, and it did fairly well until it came up against an actual mech. Um, and then for another one, it was an assassination mission that I decided would be great if I took that uh, on with a locust. Because I was like, I don't know, I want to drive around in something that's really fast. I was like, how hard could these guys be? I'll just do, like, hit-and-run attacks, and then I ran into an entire lance of Centurions. It didn't oh, end well. Yeah, I mean, an assassination mission in a Locust would be really cool if you were if your target was not in a mech. Yep. But uh, by virtue of how the Mech Warrior games and other games like that work, your target is almost always going to be in a mech. That's one thing I've noticed about the game is they give you, like, all the light mech options, and they're, like, great for, like, scouting and hit-and-run attacks, and it's like, okay, well, that's good for these missions where you have to go in and, like, knock over a bunch of buildings, but inevitably a mech will show up and will ruin your day. So I'm like, why, why are we even bothering with these non-beefy robots? Because the game wants to say, over X number of mechs available to play. And yeah. they already have the models because they want to use those as enemy mechs for when you get something big and beefy and get to just blow up a horde of baddies. Yeah, I feel like they should have... mechs or whatever. 
I feel like they should have started off the campaign with like the Locust or the Jenner rather than just giving you the Centurion right away because everything else so far seems like it sucks in comparison. Yeah, that's that's pretty fair to say. The Centurion is a very standard um, and very workhorsey inner sphere medium mech, especially during the Succession Wars era. Yep. Um, I do really like the, like, business management sim element of the game, because apparently now that I'm, like, middle-aged, I have to like business management simulations. Um, but in addition to fighting in your mech itself, you also have to manage your mercenary company, which I find is a lot more interesting than it probably should be. Um, Mm. one of these days I'll actually get MechWarrior 3 running on my... Uh, future computer here and see how it holds up if it's still as entertaining as I remember it being in like middle school or if it's just as janky and not great to play as a lot of retro games tend to be. Yep. Oh, and I also did try the SNES version of the OG MechWarrior and Man, that was a shenanigan. I had no idea what I was doing. But I was impressed for uh, the graphics at the time. So yeah, it's basically been all Battletech all up in here. And I know I spent like the last two weeks going off about 40k, but that's how ADHD works. Something grabs your brain and then something else grabs it and then eventually you just come back around full circle. Yay. Yay. But yeah, I don't think I did really much of anything else. Blood Bowl's chipping away at it. Um, yeah, that's about it. Cool. All right, so the main topic: kaiju, giant mechs. Count as kaiju. Uh, mechs are sort of associated with it because oftentimes, you know, people need to fight the kaiju. Uh, BattleTech does not, to the best of my knowledge, have any rules for fighting giant monsters. Uh, as it is primarily a milsim game. Um, I mean, with how and, many planets they go to, there are bound to be some kind of alien megafauna somewhere that you could fight with a mech. I'm not aware of any, actually. I mean, there are... There's only one they, novel where aliens show up and its canonicity is considered dubious and people have kind of developed uh, a theory that it's actually a novel taking place within the... It's a novel from the Battle It's an in-universe novel? Yeah, that yeah, would... Yeah, because it gets referenced later on and so people are like, oh, they just retconned this to being a Battletech universe. It's like, oh no, we found aliens. I mean, that's what they did with the really crappy 90s cartoon, is they now claim it to be an in-universe propaganda cartoon. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I know. I love that. It um, it really helps, like, explain why that cartoon <laughs> was so bad and so, like, ludicrously one-sided and dumb. That's propaganda for you. Yeah. I mean, also 90s cartoons for you, but... Also true. It does... That cartoon is weird because it makes very detailed game references <laughs> while simultaneously like getting massive plot points wrong. 
about the universe. Um, so yeah. yes, this is Battletech Part 2. Welcome. Yes, uh, but no, kaiju. What are kaiju? Where do kaiju come from? Well, the term is Japanese, as we mentioned. Uh, the word derived from... It's basically a compound word, kai meaning mysterious and unknown, and ju meaning beast. So kaiju are mysterious and unknown beasts. Uh, traditionally, it's been large ones, uh, very, very large creatures, um, as one might know from the like poster child kaiju, Godzilla. Gojira! Um, the term kaiju was used in marketing for that. For, for the 1954 that. Godzilla film, which is kind of its massive success is where that term got popularized. But Japanese folklore is full, has some giant monsters already. So the Godzilla concept was pulled a little bit from some of them. Uh, some notable ones would be Yamata no Orochi, uh, which was an eight-headed dragon. Uh, that was killed by one of the, like, mythical first emperors of Japan. Um, described as an, as a beast with an eight-forked head and eight-forked tail. Um, as it crawled, it extended over a space of eight hills and eight valleys. So, uh, yeah. Giant monster. Um, the mythical, like, uh, storm god Suzano kills it by uh getting it drunk uh he brews a, a bunch of sake well he brews a bunch of sake he sets up like um vats of it each each one of which has like a gate to it so when the monster goes like sticks its eight heads through the eight gates to get to the sake he like shuts the gates traps the heads and then cuts them off with a magic sword get wrecked hercules that's how you do it yeah, no, he, he, he's a little more ahead of it. Um, <laughs> ahead. Hey. Uh, and then, of course, the, like, he finds a magic sword, like, in the beast of the, uh, in the belly of the beast. Um, which is theoretically still owned by the uh, Imperial family. One of the national So you're not allowed to look at it. But it's definitely there. Yes. Um, but, yeah. Uh, it's fun mythology. Uh, there's also a Japanese folklore thing about a giant catfish that is that trapped one. under a rock, and when it uh, thrashes around, it causes earthquakes. Um, thus sort of linking the giant monster's natural disaster thing, uh, which is a key element of kaiju, is that they cause or are treated like natural disasters. Um, again, Godzilla. <laughs> Just wiping out Tokyo. Um, but in modern times, uh, Godzilla, while the poster child, was not the first kaiju. Uh, King Kong is kind of, was one of the inspirations, honestly. Um, kaiju. Featuring a giant monster that is brought to a city. Uh, the big difference being that King Kong is much smaller in most cases. Uh, the newest movies and, like, the King Kong versus Godzilla movies aside, uh, King Kong is usually more of an understandable size. 
understandable size for a gigantic ape. I mean, like, King Kong is not immune to bullets. But he is immune to airplanes. No, they kill him with the airplanes. <laughs> um, in fact, airplanes might, you might say airplanes are his major weakness. Um, and in the Skull Island movie, uh, uh, Kong Skull Island, the more recent King Kong movie, helicopters proved to be his major weakness. I never saw um, that one, so I'll take your word for it. Oh, it, it, it's pretty fun, because it's like Vietnam-era King Kong. <laughs> um, Viet Cong. Oh. Yes, yes, that, that joke gets made a lot. Um, and he's also not the bad guy, really, sort of. Yeah. Communism is and the bad Samuel guy. Samuel L. Jackson, so it, it's worth checking out if you think, if you like monster movies. Um, now, with that being said, there was also a Japanese film... Uh, released in 1934 that is kind of considered the first giant monster movie in Japan. Uh, it is uh, The Great Buddha Returns. I, I think that's the right name. Uh, it featured a 100-foot statue of Buddha coming to life and like wandering around a city inspecting stuff. Interesting. Uh, and occasionally smashing things. And then apparently Buddha goes to heaven and hell and then flies off to Tokyo. I, I mean, I, you could probably find some pretty good kaiju in Buddhist hell. That place is wild. Yeah, uh, I can't tell you all that much more about the film because it is lost. No! Uh, either due to poor preservation from the like studio that made it, which wasn't really a studio because Japan didn't have a film studio system at the time. Or, you know... World War II happened, and a lot of things got bombed. And I'm just uh, going to take all of the above. Yeah, or, or a combination of the studio decided to store it in a warehouse that was very flammable somewhere on the outskirts of Tokyo. And then World War II happened, and yeah. Fun fact, a lot of the special effects for the uh, Godzilla and the other uh, Toho movies came from producing propaganda reels for the... Uh, uh, the IJN or the IJA that had like little miniaturized depictions of battles that they would show on a, a like newsreel updates in the movie theaters. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Cause I don't imagine the Japanese military embedded camera crews the way the U S and British ones did. Nope. Um, that does not sound like something the IJN or the IJA would do. They had like photographers, but other than that, I don't think they had a whole lot in terms of, like, actual news media because, like, mass news media for non-propaganda purposes is not a thing that the Empire of Japan did, so. What? Yeah, no, they totally did. They had lots of newspapers. Oh, well, never uh, mind. They, they had a wild, uh, like, newspaper and magazine print culture. Uh, absolutely insane. It, it's very interesting. Um, their film and TV stuff... Uh, their film stuff and radio stuff was a little not as well built out. Um, like I said, they didn't have that. I don't believe they had a full studio system until after World War II. Um, but they, you know, they were making their own films. They were doing stuff. Um, by the time, like, the late 1930s rolled around, a lot of that was devoted to propaganda. But, yeah, no, they're newspapers. Um, 
there's a saying that, you know, the people of Japan could figure out that they were losing the war because all their victories started getting closer and closer to the main islands. Whoops. This is where we need to insert, like, a slap sound as you're just slapping down my misinformation. Yeah, I mean, eh. You learn, you live, you learn. You you destroy Tokyo with a giant monster. Go, go, Godzilla. Um, so, yeah, 1954, Godzilla. Uh, the big one, the big boy. Uh, a giant monster comes out of the ocean... Uh, initially sort of messes with a small island and then moves up to Tokyo where there is nothing that the military or anyone can do to stop it until a random scientist goes out with a super weapon that he developed and kills all life in Tokyo Bay, including himself and Godzilla. Not the oxygen destroyer. Uh, Yep, the oxygen destroyer. Classic piece of uh, sci-fi, like... I'm not going to say it was a deus ex machina because it is perfectly foreshadowed like he tests it multiple times like he's working on it at the beginning of the film and then he tests it part way through and kills a fish tank and then he goes out and uses it at the end somehow um, it just it turns everything to bone yeah it, it kills it, it it's magic it's just a MacGuffin um, but it is a nicely foreshadowed MacGuffin um, the film was a massive hit in Japan and a massive hit in the US as well uh, after they shot some extra scenes and added in an American newsman <laughs> to stand there and explain things for the U.S. audience. That they did. Yes. Uh, the Japanese version is a little tighter because they don't have random scenes of a guy, like, in a newspaper office going, Oh my god, it blew up all the important buildings! <laughs> um, the, the film, in part, drew on fears of, you know, atomic war due to the fact that, you know, Japan had just recovered from the destruction of most of its cities, primarily via firebombing, but also in a couple of cases via nuclear bombs. And Godzilla is an atomic monster. It breathes, Godzilla breathes fire, atomic fire, and is radioactive or, you know, drawn to radiation. Uh, It was also stoking off fears from the uh, Lucky Dragon 5 incident where a Japanese fishing ship kind of got pulled, kind of went through... They got irradiated. They got irradiated. They went through the fallout cloud after the Castle Bravo nuclear test, um, causing the entire crew to get serious radiation sickness, uh, and one person died. Um, It it was not a good time. They... they were theoretically in the safe zone, like that the U.S. outside of the exclusion zone that the U.S. military had warned everybody about. Uh, but the Castle Bravo was the first test of a hydrogen bomb and was approximately twice as powerful as had been expected. Which, there's, when you're dealing with things on the order of megatons, twice as powerful is, uh, yeah, scary. There's no such thing as a uh, safe zone when it comes to nukes and also just generally if the United States government is telling you that somewhere is safe. <laughs> well, they weren't in the area that the United States government told them to stay out of. Uh, that being said, they did kind of know they were in trouble because, uh, ash from the explosion that was like essentially a vaporized coral started drifting down onto the ship and 
they were like, oh, this is not good. It's bad times. Um, and uh, they called it something in Japanese that I forget, but it translates to Death Ash. The people That's on this ship were like, oh, name. this is not good. This is definitely not good. That being said, they also didn't like immediately turn around and leave. They stayed to haul in all their fishing gear, which cost them several hours of being coated in radioactive ash. So that's kind of dumb. Just remember, if you get caught in fallout, seek shelter, uh, take a shower. Do not use uh, conditioner in your hair because the conditioner can bind the fallout particles to your hair. Uh, iodine tablets, highly recommended. Um, do not trust vault tech. Yeah. You don't want to be an experiment. Yeah. Um, yeah. That being said, so these sort of things set the conditions for Kai, for giant monster movies, the kaiju films. And that's kind of where it went from. Since then, there have been an untold number of films, uh, people, you know, Godzilla's sequels, and then other film studios and directors copying this because it wasn't that expensive to make a giant monster movie where you have somebody in a costume stomping around a bunch of miniatures. Have you um, heard of, have you heard of the objectively best kaiju movie? Do you probably, know which one? I'm, which one? Do I know? don't know which one you're referring to. <laughs> uh, Polgasari from 1985. The North, the North Korean Korea, one. Yes. Which, that story is weird because they kidnapped a South Korean director to produce their own knockoff Godzilla propaganda movie, which itself was a knockoff of a lost uh, monster movie from South Korea in the 60s. How yep, that I has, have heard of Polgasari. How that whole story has not been made into like its own movie is beyond me right now. Uh, I imagine that the film rights to it are a little tied up, given that the... <laughs> Kim Jong-un holds the film rights. <laughs> no, I mean, given that, you know, the the director involved would have been a member of the industry, and also, like, wasn't his wife, who was an actress, kidnapped? Yeah, his and wife was also kidnapped. They escaped they in escaped a taxi together. chase in, like, Vienna. Yeah. They managed to slip away from their North Korean handlers. It's a wild story. It, it's a ugh, amazing story, but also... Like, I imagine between the two of them being industry people, that means the film rights to it are belong to them. Um, and well, I so know the director probably. is dead, so I don't know where the rights go after that. I don't his know estate? if is still alive. The, their yeah, estate, um, presumably. So, yeah, there, there have been a whole bunch of them. Polgasai obviously being perhaps the, the weirdest. <laughs> um, but other classics, uh, Mothra. Yes. Um, being a less actively destructive one. She's here to save the Earth. Uh, yes, Mothra is here to save the Earth from the evils of humanity, typically. It's a giant moth, sometimes with fairies that accompany it. She's an Atlas um, moth. The best moth, objectively. Objectively the best moth. Um, you have uh, things like Gamera, who... It is it's just another giant Godzilla style monster. I think Gamera is not like is maybe awoken by atomic bomb tests from it like where it was hiding. Um and is the the they refer to it as like a dinosaur throwback kind of thing. 
Um, it protects children sometimes. Yeah, I remember that. That was kind of a weird, uh, random thing. Yeah, um, I think that was when they started to realize that people like the monsters so much that you kind of want to make them into the protagonists. Yeah, it's it's hard to make the mascot of your thing the villain. Yes. Um, which they realized pretty quickly after, like, the second or third Godzilla movie. Um, because obviously they made more. So, having Godzilla come and fight stuff, great. Having Godzilla fight other monsters to protect the Earth and the city of Tokyo while they destroy it, even better. Um, you had all the wacky 60s and 70s one where it's aliens or whatever who the aliens like, that summon a monster like from outer space. <laughs> yes, the aliens look exactly like humans. They're from Planet X or whatever or Venus or the moon. And they summon, you know, a weird monster to destroy Godzilla or they're using a mind control ray to control all the monsters. But Godzilla breaks free and kills them all. That happened a lot. Yep. Um, the 80s saw a number of, like, ecological ones. Um, what was it? Biolante being one of them. Uh, yep. I forget what uh, the ooze monster's name is. I think it's Hedorah. Yeah, Hedorah is a poisonous pollution monster. Um, and obviously there's the Ultraman franchise and, uh, what is it? Jet Jaguar, which is the first, like, giant robot fighting giant monsters thing. Uh, Mecha Godzilla and the various other like Mecha King Ghidorah and Cyborg and Space Godzilla—they just had a lot of monsters. Also, Megalon, the giant like half robot, half stag beetle—he's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, um, King Ghidorah, aka Monster X, is a classic. It's a three-headed dragon from space. Um, Gigan, also pretty cool. He's a... Gigan is insane. Space monster with a buzzsaw in his chest for some yes. reason. And, and, and built-in sunglasses. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so where then does this lead us into, like, kaiju in games? Anywhere you want to go. Anywhere you want to go. If you're playing Dungeons & Dragons, guess what? It has a built-in kaiju. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations, Tarosk. You've been promoted. Yeah, I guess Tarosk does kind of look like Anguirus. Yeah. Uh, it's not quite as spiky. It's not sufficiently spiky. It lacks the um, some of the uh, sort of abilities that would properly do a kaiju but it is big enough and it does have the siege monster ability which makes it perfect for destroying cities it destroys cities uh people run in terror uh it usually takes some kind of macguffin to kill it for good and even then it's not except really for in dead. fifth edition where you back. can just fly around and plank it oh yeah i forgot about that yes uh, uh ignore the fifth edition tarosk the fifth edition tarosk is sad um sad the tarosk second edition noises. pathfinder tarosk is much scarier um, but yeah, a bigger Tarosk, better. Um, <laughs> the Kraken in D&D also kind of fits the kaiju setup. It is absolutely huge and can wreck everything around it. Um, if you scaled up a purple worm, 
you could yeah, probably also be a good kaiju. Yeah, you'd have to scale it up a bit because it's not quite big enough for proper kaiju-ness. Uh, but scaling up a purple worm would give you a pretty solid kaiju. Uh, but then again, you don't have to play D&D. What? You can play other games that have giant monsters in them. Uh, kaiju Incorporated, the role-playing game from Evil Hat Productions, is a is based on the fate system, so it's a pretty rules-light narrative-focused. Um, you don't fight the giant monsters, though. You work for the company that rebuilds everything after the giant <laughs> monsters destroy it. Um, so you are part of a kaiju cleanup crew. Um, and, I mean, you, you have to deal with pools of goo, debris, HR policies. Um, Good times. Residual monster stuff. You know, sort of an interesting spin on it. Um, there are a few different, like, varieties of of getting in a giant robot and fighting the monsters. Um, Adaptus Evangelion, or whatever that turned into, is uh, one of them. Um, there's a recent one called, or a fate-based one called Mecha vs. Kaiju, <laughs> that I believe is just, uh, well, does what it says on the tin. Um, and a few others. Uh... There's a, there's a few giant robot RPG systems, basically, and that's what you typically would use for fighting giant monsters. Um, I'm not sure if there's a solid one that it lets you, like, play as the giant monsters. I mean, um, if there isn't, that's a glaring weak spot. That's Who certainly something that seems like it would be monster. worth looking into. Um, there is an upcoming one that I'm very interested in, uh, called Hyper Weapon by Rookie Jet Studio, who's an uh, indie publisher. They mostly do kind of rules-light, narrative-based things. I've um, done a few successful Kickstarters recently where you, um, you, know, you, you defend towns and cities from kaiju and you use nerf guns as part of the <laughs> nice. uh, mechanics. You, you, you set target boards in the play area and then hitting different targets is like matches your accuracy checks. I like it. So, yeah. You actually have to do a thing instead of just rolling dice. Um, I think that sounds really interesting. Uh, unfortunately, you probably can't play that over roll 20. No, that would be difficult. Yeah. I mean, unless you each had, like, your own target set up and then you were playing with, like, the video cameras so that you could visually verify that, yes, they did, in fact, hit the target. Yeah. Um, it seems like it would be fun for a sort of light-hearted, just plinket targets kind of game, though. Or, um, even better, you go out into the woods, you get your AR-15, and you shoot at real targets while you're playing. I, I, I think the ear pro would make that more difficult. That's true. Just just saying. There's a reason That's why, why you gotta you... be really loud. Yeah. Uh, there are also plenty of board games featuring kaiju. Um, that there are. I would say the best one 
the the just best one hands down. Uh, used to be called Rampage until they got a cease and desist from the video game <laughs> company called Rampage, uh, and is now called Terror in Meeple City. I still haven't played that one, but I want to. I have played it several times. It's very good. You, uh, you, you're the giant monster, and your goal is to fight the other giant monsters and eat as many people and destroy as many buildings as you can. And I mean, honestly, Terror in Meeple City is a better name. I don't know. I think it is. I don't know that it is. Rampage was... I think Meeple City is kind of weird term. Well, it's a city full of meeples. Yes, but most non-board game people don't know what a meeple is. Then this is their opportunity to learn. Yes, I suppose so. Um, there's also King of Tokyo, which is about uh, giant monsters fighting over who gets to destroy Tokyo. <laughs> um, and then we have... Uh, what were some of the others? Oh, there's a expansion for uh, Munchkin Apocalypse, which is the like Munchkin card game set in post-apocalypse stuff that adds kaiju. Uh, there is a game called Maximum Apocalypse uh, that has a kaiju expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, post-apocalypse, but with Kaiju. Could you technically call uh, Arkham Horror a kaiju game? Um, there is some arguments to be made that Cthulhu is a kaiju. Uh, he comes he, from the ocean. The problem, of course, is that you don't really fight Cthulhu most of the time. Unless you happen to be a Swedish man driving a ship. <laughs> um, in which case, it's one hit, one kill, and he goes back to sleep. Um, Sleepy time. So it's hard to treat Godzilla properly as a kaiju. That being said, there are a lot of kaiju in other things that kind of use Lovecraftian Cthulhu as their inspiration. Um, Including in um, Monster Apocalypse, which is one of the miniature games that is kaiju themed. Yep. Uh, Monster Apocalypse is a two-player sort of arena fight miniature slash board game. It uses an, a board rather than a map, and you move on squares. So, again, kind of eh. It's a um, monster rumble. Yeah, where you, you just have a big throwdown between a couple of monsters. And they're like support squad of little monsters who do various things to gain power-ups for the big monster. Um... I've never gotten into it. Uh, the mechanics just never spoke to me. And while the models are okay, they're also quite expensive. I um, have... Although you don't I have need two a lot sets. of them. I just play. haven't put them together yet. Yeah. Yeah, because you really only need one monster and one set of, like, support characters. And there's... usually Depending on if it's one of the factions that has a lot of... Uh, support from the manufacturer you'll get more or less um the two factions that i have one is green fury which is uh the 50 foot woman and her hippie friends and that's basically all there is to that faction and then 
the other one is a swarm of insects where there's one support group of giant flies and you can either play as a giant beetle or a giant hornet and that's it so depending on who you pick for that game your variety is kind of limited but at least then you know you don't need an entire closet full of miniatures yeah um there is also a pacific rim miniatures game didn't know Um, that yeah it was not well supported and did not gain substantial popularity um the website for it is still up, but as of last year, they stopped producing models and just put the STLs up on my mini factory for people to buy and print themselves. That's cool. Um, you hear that, GW? Yeah, it, it, they weren't making money on the game, so they decided to do this instead. GW's got enough money already. <laughs> I, I would agree, but they don't feel that way, obviously. Um, and even then, the the miniature line is pretty small. Um, and they are kind of overcharging for STLs, I would say. Um, but, you know, it's an option if you wanted to get some good-looking miniatures for giant robots or giant monsters. Um, Kaiju. It has some good-looking Kaiju, because Pacific Rim did a very good job of making interesting Kaiju. Uh... I refer, obviously, to the first movie and not the second movie. There is no second movie. Wait, there was a Um, second movie? Yes. There is no second movie. (laughs) Um, And I will not acknowledge that there was a really poorly animated cartoon show on Netflix for two seasons. That one sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, it was set in Australia. I mean, what is Australia if not the land of kaiju originally? But they're not giant (laughs) monsters. They're just terrifying creatures. I mean, I don't... My biggest problem is obviously that there's no way that kaiju could have destroyed most of Australia without getting themselves curb stomped by the emus. <laughs> Emus, the original kaiju. <laughs> yeah, the the most dangerous thing. I mean, there's not a lot of other birds that have won a war. This is true. Um, I mean, I guess the the Chinese war against sparrows under Mao was a pyrrhic victory for the birds. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh, there are obviously, you know, more games and stuff out there. Um, there are plenty of, uh, you know, things to draw from if you want to do kaiju, if you want to use kaiju. Um, in terms of media that I personally enjoy, um, that features kaiju and could be a good inspiration for stuff. Uh, the, what, 2019-2018 Shin Godzilla movie? is really good if you haven't watched it featuring um, derpzilla <laughs> featuring yes derpzilla but also sort of the most terrifying godzilla yep um and being also also kind of getting back to the original godzilla by being instead of about giant monsters smashing up cities 
being about people's fears and satire of the government response to them. It's an allegory. As it is a straight-up allegory to the Japanese government's response to the uh, tsunami and the Fukushima nuclear power plant disaster. And like, right like that, like that, we're back to nukes. Yeah, it, they just directly do things that make fun of the sort of government's failures in that incident. As movies should do. Yes. Um, it's hard to notice that if you're an American audience and you don't realize that that's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But um, that is what they're doing. Um, let's see. There's uh, plenty of Godzilla comic books. Uh, I think they mostly were published by IDW. Um, I think so. Weirdly enough, I think the Godzilla comics are more popular than the Godzilla, any, like, Godzilla manga. Um, huh. I don't think they did a lot of Godzilla manga. Yeah, it doesn't sound like something that I've come across, which is kind of surprising. I know there are manga about kaiju, but nothing specifically about Godzilla, unless maybe whoever holds the current rights is very territorial over it. Yeah, I don't know. I Yeah. Um I mean, okay, they made a lot of old ones. But like since the a lot of them seem to basically just be um uh, for the manga, a lot of them seem to be kind of just a summary of what the film was. Um, Get they, some creativity they're just film adaptations for the most part, it seems like. And they haven't made a lot of those since uh, 2000. Hmm. Um, there, there's just a handful since then. And again, some of those are adaptations of the TV or film shows as well. I remember they had a TV show based on the American Godzilla for a while. Yeah, the, the what the fans call Zilla, because he's not a god. He's he's clearly <laughs> not not cool enough for that. Just um, a lizard. Just a giant lizard. Um, that movie was very disappointing. The cartoon show was actually fairly good, um, because it focused on the son of that one, and that one, and the new one could breathe fire, <laughs> like, and had actual Godzilla abilities and shit. So son it was of just Zilla. a. Yeah, it was a much cooler version of the monster. Um, it is worth noting that in one of the Japanese Godzilla movies that came out after the terrible American one, um, the terrible American Godzilla shows up and is immediately dispatched by Japanese Godzilla. Isn't that like Godzilla 2000? I don't think it was 2000. I think it was one that came out just after that. Oh, uh... They did like a like a new destroy all monsters. Yeah, that's movie. the one. I think that was it, where he's like fighting all the other big monsters. Yeah, and he immediately dispatches the American Zilla. Owned. Yeah. Um, I would recommend Godzilla: The Half Century War. Uh, from IDW Publishing, written and illustrated by James Stoke. It's really a solid one, and clearly loves the monsters yeah um 
And it's just sort of an alt history where it follows one guy who was there in the 1950s original Godzilla for 50 years as he fights monsters unsuccessfully. Kaiju PTSD. Yeah, kind of. Um, Oh yeah, they recently announced a new Godzilla film called Godzilla Minus One. I think it's supposed to be set in, like, the 40s. Huh. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't quite know how you do that one. I, I mean, I think the concept is it's set, like, before or during World War II, and so it's going to be... Um, well, I mean, they kind of they kind of already did that with Godzilla versus uh, King Ghidorah, because... Godzilla originally was a T-Rex that was living on an island that the uh, IJA had captured. And the T-Rex, like, saved the soldiers from an American military attack in kind of a weird scene that's very sympathetic to the Japanese Empire. Oh, okay. So it looks like it's actually set, like, closer to the end of World War II. Because hmm. um, the... The description for it is, uh, after the war, Japan had been reduced to zero. Godzilla appears and plunges the country into a negative state. No! Godzilla, why are you doing this to us? So I would guess it's set in, like, 1946 through 48, kind of, when Japan is... That makes sense. Um, Because the trailer shows Japan, like, bombed out. Been betrayed by Godzilla. Once again. It will be the first Godzilla movie to be primarily be set before 1954. Um, in Godzilla vs. King Godira, they traveled, they time traveled to 1944. Oh, is that is it picking up with that that weird plot line? I don't think so. Oh, obviously, it's not coming out until uh, December in the United States. So we'll find out then. Um. The, the the version of Godzilla in it looks very cool. I do have to nice. say. He, he's I'll a big, chunky, spiky lad. Yeah. Um, like, extra spiky back stuff. Um, we like some spikes. Yeah, he, he's very scary. Scary-zilla. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, uh, literature? There have been some books that are, you know, kaiju-related. Um, I think the best, most recent, most relevant one would be The Kaiju Preservation Society by John Scalzi, mm-hmm. uh, which has currently been nominated for the Hugo Award. Huzzah! Uh, yeah, uh, it's interesting. I read it. It's uh, about a, basically, people discover a way to get to an alternate universe that has giant kaiju in it. Um, and Might so, as well, preserve them. well, studying and protecting them is kind of the job of the organization that the main character works for that, uh, goes to this other world and has to deal with how absolutely terrifying it is to have giant monsters roaming around and also sort of what biological processes are necessary to have giant monsters, we stand Turns out they're all biological nuclear reactors. Uh-oh. Um, 
So, yeah, don't don't make them angry because when they fight each other or like if one dies, it will go critical and explode. No. Um, or meltdown or whatever. Um, Monster meltdown. Yeah. Which also, if they if they get too stressed out, they emit they have to dump heat in the form of a giant beam of plasma. So yeah, they get, they, they get to th- shoot laser. They get to, you know, breathe fire and all that. Your monsters need more heat sinks. I mean, they're biological. They, they can only heat sink to, to a certain extent. Um, it's interesting in how in depth it goes into like creating a believable Kaiju biology. Kaijuology. Um, and also that the monsters are not something that could exist on earth. Uh, they, if you brought them to Earth, they would die. Yeah, probably just best to leave them where they're at. Yes, that's... That's nature intended. That is kind of one of the points of the book. Um, also capitalism bad, but, uh... Capitalism always bad. Yes. Um, what else? Trying to think if there's any other... Um... I guess you might consider some of the, like... Uh, giant monsters available to factions in various war games as being kaiju, although I don't think any of them really fit the unstoppable natural disaster class of monster. Mm, um, nothing that I can really think of. Because it, it is different from something like a giant, which is, you know, a humanoid form. Um, which is why I wouldn't consider any of the Attack on Titan stuff to be kaiju. Well, there is, like, there is the kaiju hunt from Gaslands. Yeah, that that is pretty similar, because that is, you are hunting a giant monster. Um, although whether that's, you know, fully a kaiju or not, eh, eh. It is now. I guess so. I mean, As soon as I find a good Godzilla model. Fair enough, yes. But you also can fight Truckosaurus in Gaslands, so... Truckosaurus counts as a kaiju. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Truckosaurus counts as same... Give it enough is in the same reactors. vein as Mechagodzilla. Yeah. Truckosaurus Fair goes enough. on a rampage. Truckosaurus visits Monster Island. <laughs> um, all comic books have plenty of kaiju uh, beyond just the ones that are based on Godzilla and stuff. Um, Fing Fang Foom from Marvel is a kaiju. I mean, he's he's a giant dragon, but he, he also acts more like a kaiju. A lot of times. Kaiju Except are all around us. Except for that weird bit where during, like, Armor Wars 2, where he was part of a race of dragons that was going to invade Earth because they were space aliens. Marvel quit being weird. Yeah, Marvel sometimes gets weird with it. Especially before Iron Man got popular. Does Killer Croc count as a kaiju? No, he's not a giant monster. He's just a guy with a skin (laughs) condition. Who threw a rock at Batman once. What about King Shark? No, not a giant monster. (laughs) Uh, Starro at the end of The Suicide Squad, the one directed by James Gunn that was actually good, is a giant, is a kaiju. In fact, I think they say explicitly in that film, we got a freaking kaiju up in this bitch. <laughs> um, 
So, you know, that one counts. Uh, you need a giant monster that is wrecking shit and requires a concerted effort to do actually fight. The Hulk is not a kaiju, <laughs> although he can wreck cities. Hulk um, smash. He, he's just not big enough. Um, I guess maybe like the chaos avatars in 40k could be considered like kaiju. Except they of. are literal demons. Yeah. So so they don't count. Demons are not kaiju. Sorry. Um, Sorry to break I it for am. you. Much like giants are not kaiju, demons are not kaiju, because, again, both things have other mythologies and other sources that they're drawn from. But what about the 50-foot woman? Radiation made her big. Yes, she's on the edge. She's an edge case, um, as she's often presented as being, you know, in the same vein as kaiju, mostly, I think, due to the timing of those films. Um, but she is more along the lines of a traditional giant. Um, so yeah, that's, that, that would kind of be my thought there. Um, I can't think of any other, others off the top of my head to nitpick at. Uh, let's see, space monsters, kaiju, dragons, are dragons kaiju? Dragons are an edge case, uh... I feel like because you can talk to dragons, the answer is no. Oh, wait, here, here's one. Uh, sandworm. From Dune? Yeah, uh, kaiju or not kaiju. If they went on rampages and destroyed a city, it would be a kaiju. Well, that's what they did at the end of the, at the, end of the first book. I mean, that wasn't so much a rampage as directed use of biological weapons. <laughs> um... Which it's I not a rampage, it's a jihad. Yes, I mean, they didn't do that of their own volition, and they were being actively ridden and directed at the time. So I don't know if you would count them as kaiju. Damn. Uh, they, they, they don't act in the manner of kaiju where they smash up cities. They mostly live out in the desert away from humans. Uh, which again, kind of reduces the are they kaiju or are they not thing a bit um yeah um other famous kaiju or giant monsters oh actually here's a question evangelion uh definitely are the angels kaiju yes 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 I, I would agree wholeheartedly. I think that the angels fit kaiju. They are trying to destroy cities. I mean, technically they just don't care about cities, but the, the many of the art stylistic and sort of choices made treat them like kaiju, how you have to fight them with giant robots or stop them with nukes and the like mass military attacks on them are very much drawn from the Godzilla like military forces fighting giant monster they're just weird kaiju because you know some of them are giant cubes (laughs) or orbital biblically accurate kaiju yes they are biblically (laughs) accurate kaiju that that is adapt that is evangelion get in the robot shinji get in the mecha godzilla shinji (laughs) 
yeah, I guess that's another one that we can mark off. Uh, anything else? Um, I'm looking. I'm looking around here. I don't see anything in particular. Yeah. Uh, there's a ongoing manga series right now called Kaiju Number Eight. Kaiju Number Nine. Uh, I'm aware of that one, but I haven't read it. I have. It's pretty good. Um, I will say that the protag, the title character is not a giant monster. He he's a normal dude who gets the ability to turn into a more like slightly larger than normal human monster, but there are giant monsters in it. So I would give it a you know say it's good. Reading the description, I was like, oh, so it's Chainsaw Man, but kaiju yes um yes with good art but not as deep just anything it's not nearly as deep it is more of the stereotypical um what is the the what's that term for like battle manga where you just have a series of fights hmm. i don't um, know off the top of my head it's not signing it might be signing Whatever. It's it's just the stereotypical like, I think they it, like boys manga that it that is a series of battles, um, <laughs> like Dragon Ball Z or uh, not Z, just like the Dragon Ball comics or any of the other popular ones whose names I don't know off the top of my head because I don't read those mostly. Um, so you just fights have a, all the way down. Yeah, no. It, it the whole thing is just a series of fights. Um, with, like, one issue in between where everyone, like, goes, wow, that was a tough fight, man. Uh, we gotta train more. And then they have another big fight. I mean, that's kind of how Berserk starts. Yeah, I... I, The first two, the first two issues are just, like, a gigantic fight scene with this monstrosity before they jump back in time. Yeah, I, I, I I have not read Berserk, so I wouldn't really know. Um, Um, you, I don't know. I don't know if it would be your thing. I think it's a little too grimdark for me. Yeah. If you're somebody who likes Dark Souls, you'll like Berserk because it was one of the direct inspirations for Dark Souls. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess some of the monsters in that could be considered kaiju. They destroy maybe, cities. Maybe. Um, unless unless they're just too demony. I mean, are they literal demons? Uh, yes. Then they are demons, not Damn kaiju. It. Uh, some of the monsters in One Punch Man are kaiju. Um, I've not, not all read of them, One Punch Man yet. You really should. Uh, not I all know, of them are, list. but some certainly are. Um, yeah, and uh, they they are all defeated in one punch <laughs> because As that they is should be. the the point of the series that the protagonist is too strong, and so now defeats everyone in a single punch. And so, honestly, most of it is, like, him getting distracted by something and his allies having a really tough time fighting until he shows up and just wipes it out. (laughs) Or him accidentally wiping something out and everyone trying to explain what the hell just happened. uh, Until they kind of realize that, oh, it was him. Yeah. I can't can't think of any other kaiju off the top of my head. Or kaiju candidates. 
Yeah, I mean, again, Dungeons and Dragons, the Tarrasque is a solid start for a kaiju. I would, again, make it a little bigger and maybe give it some cool abilities, like uh, the ability to hurl giant chunks of rubble at people. Fireballs. Um, that will, you know, let you knock people out of the sky if they choose to fly around and be dipshits about fighting it. Um, or, I, I mean, I think giving it an atomic breath weapon would be cool, but also that makes it too much like a dragon. Um, yeah, I guess that's true. Dragons do have fireball yeah, type things. Dragon breath weapons kind of it makes it less distinct. I would say bigger, more regeneration, and uh, ability to like hurl stuff at people. I mean, bigger, if you do better, give it a breath weapon, stronger. make sure you give it the ability to fly by pointing its breath weapon down and just like using that to lift off. <laughs> Proper Godzilla style. Um, uh, if you have to fight the kaiju in D&D, also... Uh, Make it so that it's not just run up to its toes and, like, stab it a bit. <laughs> Make the players have to, I don't know, get in giant war machines that are built off of them or use crazy stuff to make it interesting and dynamic. I mean, D&D &D mecha, that could be cool. I mean, I would... The most interesting way to do that would to be... Have the mechs just make the characters gigantic essentially <laughs> and then play Beast it like mode. a normal D, D thing um like just everything has been scaled up mm -hmm. so everything all the rules and all the effects are exactly the same but now your each square is like 50 feet by 50 feet instead of five feet by five feet sounds like it'd be quite humorous yeah you could also do the reverse and scale it down so that each square is like five inches by five inches and everyone's been shrunk. <laughs> um, if you wanted to have fun with it. Sounds um, like a good time. Yeah, so that is Kaiju. Yeah. Uh, giant monsters that are not, that are explicitly not demons or giants. Um, but they should be. What? No. <laughs> they, they are distinct from that. Uh, traditionally they're, they have a bunch of different types. So giant monsters, not demons, not, um, giants. Use them in your games or get a game that uses them. Yep. It's a good idea. So we have a segment on this podcast called board game corner, where one of us talks about a board game and Ed has a board game. Yay. It's not really a board game. It's a card game and. Uh, it is 1% tangentially connected to our topic for today. And uh, this is Weed by uh, Kiefer Games. They make, like, party, uh, bachelorette party, college party, frat party tat that you find in, uh, like, a Spencer's Gifts. And... Uh, as according to the disclaimer on the back, this game is for fun and not meant to encourage drug use. Be smart and don't smoke pot. It's illegal for a reason. Um, Boo, I am being, also I am being, wrong. I am being forced by the FCC to say those words. Um, but basically the game is you're trying to grow weed 
and you're trying to fill all of your plots. And once you fill all of your plots, the round ends. And depending on how many plants are in each of those plots, you score points. Um, the game goes for several rounds. And then eventually whoever has the most accumulated points is the winner. Uh, you got your little weed plants. Uh, you got hippies who can come by and uh, remove the cards. You can plant dandelions in the plots of the other players so they can't play anything in there. And dandelions are just a zero. Um, but why you couldn't just go pull the dandelions, I don't know. And then the uh, uh, the biggest card in the deck is Potzilla, who comes by and smokes all of your weed with his gigantic radioactive bong. Um, yes. And then presumably goes to play basketball in the Grand Canyon. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, you just got to look at it in the theme and it's just kind of a derpy game. It plays fast. Uh, if you're somebody who finds weed funny or is a weed enthusiast, uh, you'll probably get enjoyment out of it. I got it mostly as a novelty since I'm not a particular marijuana fan. Uh, so yeah, if that's the kind of thing that you and your friends are into, or if you're in college and you want a, a somewhat edgy joke game, you can try that. They make a whole bunch of other games. Uh, if you have, you know, bachelor party, frat party, what have you, uh, if you look up their stuff, you'll probably find something that'll keep you guys entertained. Sounds good. Woo! So that is our podcast. As always, uh, support, you know, do the things. Um, follow us on Instagram at Noel Country. Uh, you don't follow us on Twitter. Don't don't go on Twitter. You mean X? X? Oh God! <laughs> I I don't don't even get me started on Elon dumbass Musk. He's gonna change the name to X and then un and then unironically remove all the adult content from Twitter. Yeah, he's also going to change the <laughs> logo, but from the sound of it, he wanted people to design the logo for him, so presumably so he wouldn't have to pay for it. I mean, it's drawing an X. The dude wouldn't have to pay any money for it anyway. He could just scribble it on a napkin and there's some sync effect. He'll be like, it's great. Yeah, but if you wanted that turned into an actual logo that could be used for stuff, he would need to, like, pay a graphic designer, but he doesn't want to. He wants people to send him their logo proposals, which he will then use and not pay you. Twitter doesn't have employees or programmers. Well, they don't need any of that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a long-standing part of his not paying people for the services they provide. Well, yeah, if you pay people for shit, you're not going to be a billionaire. Yeah, well... How else are you going to hoard all the money? I find the bit, the the recent bit of him, um... Uh... Blowing off the arbitration that he made all the fired Twitter employees go to to try and get their severances. So um, he took arbitration, a thing that objectively benefits employers and the wealthy class, and just blew and it decided off. he didn't want to do it. Yeah, he he decided that rather than like send his company lawyers to the arbitration hearings and stuff, he just wasn't going to. He's not so, even being good at being a billionaire. Yeah, so now he is being <laughs> sued in what may or may not be a class action lawsuit over all the severance that he failed to pay out, which 
he's presumably going to lose because he has a massive losing streak when it comes to legal issues. Including now trying to sue the law firm that won the deal to make him buy Twitter. (laughs) Saying that Twitter shouldn't have paid that law firm so much money. Welcome to the Elon Musk hour. Yes, he's going to lose so much in law fees. It's hilarious. Yes. Um, Yeah, so don't follow us on Twitter. Don't follow us on Twitter is, is all we all we really have to say. I mean, you can if you want, but you're not. There's there's going to be no content. We don't really use it, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, do visit our website, nullcountry.com. Bring it back, old-timey websites. Get wrecked, social media. Yeah. Um, and do the things Ed's about to tell you to do. Uh, even though I just did a whole bunch of burning on social media you can go ahead and follow me on instagram at adam madness uh you can see my battle tech stuff there and or my blood bowl stuff uh you could donate to your queer charities your reproductive justice funds your bail funds um don't talk to the cops especially about your weed card game uh film the cops whenever possible uh uh sync sink the red states into the ocean i've i'm flailing on my usual burns go so Knowles. i'm just gonna say go Knowles. go Knowles. go Knowles. <laughs>